This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello everyone and welcome to the DTV Digest, the podcast which brings you reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema and instead went straight to DVD, Blu-ray and streaming media. I'm your host Mike Parkin and joining me this week are Richard Halls. Hello everybody. And Stephen Lockeridge. Hello. Hope you're feeling better Steve, welcome back. Yep, all right now. Awesome. (laughs) So this week we shall be looking at the Tom Berenger thriller uh, Blood and Money, then we'll be looking at The Witches of Amityville, which was uh, written by a certain friend of ours. Our short shot this week will be uh, Dino Feast, which comes from Red Giant, and then our DTV throwback is the Mark L. Lester directed film The Night of the Running Man. So without further ado, let's crack on! Our first review then is Blood and Money. Uh, Tom Berenger plays Jim Reed, an elderly loner camping out in the wilds of northern Maine, hunting for a buck deer. When he accidentally shoots a member of a gang of armed robbers responsible for robbing a local casino, it sets off a chain of events which find Jim now being hunted through the snowy wilderness. Um, okay, so if you were to look at the trailer for this, you'd be expecting something along the lines of Braven, um, you know, some sort of action-packed sort of thriller. But this takes a long time to get to that section of the film. Um, it is much more uh, inclined to spend time with uh, Jim Reed, uh, so we sort of delve into his life and how he sort of ekes out of an, an existence at the moment, and uh, certain characters that he comes across. Uh, Rich, over to you first. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the um, the film, the title, the original title of the film was Allagash, which is uh, a very, you know, uh, dis- mysterious title. It, yeah. it, it's, it's actually the name of the, mm. uh, the location in the movie where uh, some of, a lot of the action takes place. But it's it doesn't really tell you anything. It's quite, you know, um, abstract. Mm. So they've they've gone for something a lot more commercial by amping up the, you know, so well, what, what happens in this film? Well, there's blood and there's money. <laughs> right. Let's call it blood and money. Right. It sounds like a thriller. You know, you put Tom Berenger there on the cover. You got, a, you're thinking deadly pursuit. You, you know, you're thinking like a throwback to the 1980s with Sidney Poitier and stuff. And uh, instead what we've got is what starts out as much more of a, a character piece. Uh, yep. And for, for my money, that's the best part of the movie. Uh, the, the, all the setup uh, that happens where you're establishing his character is great. I mean, I think I haven't seen Tom Berenger in, in anything this good for quite some time. I mean, I know he's been headlining uh, at least some of the Sniper movies. I know he's kind mm-hmm. of moved on. In, uh, I think he has he been in the last couple or as well? Yeah, he has. Yeah, he's, he's kind of come he's, back he's into still, the He's still in there. Yeah, the last one he, he was quite prominent actually. Yeah, um, but this is like a you know, he's the main man. There's there's no one else in there of his caliber. Uh, he's it, it's it's almost a one man show. Uh, and when we get to the uh, the part where he encounters the bad guys and the the bag of money bit comes into play and that, it all gets a bit uh, overly conventional uh, and not as interesting. Uh, it literally becomes a case of him like swearing an exclamation 
time after time. Uh, and and that's all that, and that's pretty much all there is. I mean, there's obviously a stuff happening, but he's just like, oh shit, you know, something like that. You know, I think it's various various versions of that, which is not as interesting as the first part of the film, where we're you know getting into his his character and his history. You know, he's he's a complex yeah. man and stuff, and he's a hunter. Uh, you know, he's not he's not really a heroic character at all. But there's a there's a certain uh, feeling like he's looking for some sort of redemption which is one of the themes that happens in the film. So yes, I liked it. Uh, I thought it was very nicely made uh, and Berenger gives a great performance, but it's the first part of the film that's the best for me. Steve, over to you. Um, yeah, I agree with Richard, to be fair. With everything he's just said, it's glacial pace on it, but for, like I say, for that first hour, it works. It's the character study, you know, you, you're getting little snippets of what's happened in his past and what's, you know, turned him into what he is today. And and then it just kind of goes down cliche canyon, to be fair. You know, it's, you know what, what you know what the end's going to be as soon as it twists. And then, yeah, like Rick said, it's just following him around, dodging people and swearing after that and it just gets a little bit repetitive but also like Rich said to me it was kind of like you know Deadly Pursuit 20 years on you know he's <laughs> kind of like re re revisiting that character from what 88 or whatever it was but yeah it's, 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 it's okay I mean I'd, the, I'd recommend it but one of the problems with the film is that it's so uh, things happen so conveniently so yeah. he meets he meets a character then he you know uh, meets another character and oh wouldn't you know it there's a connection between the two and then yeah. later on in the middle of nowhere the beginning of the film it tells you this stretch of land stretches over you know miles and miles or three million three million acres yeah. yeah yeah and so he's in the middle of he's he's in the middle of the forest and he turns around and well, wouldn't you know it? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> there's this character that you met earlier. Just all of a sudden has appeared behind him at this key pivotal yeah. moment in the story. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't help but laughing at that. Mm. Yeah. See, I, I, I disagree with you guys. I, I love the cliches in this. Um, I, I enjoyed the, the opening bit, but I, I was more of the opinion of when is he going to get to the fireworks factory <laughs> you know, a kind of attitude, and and um, the the moment when he realizes he left his cigarette butt at this at a certain scene and had to go back and retrieve it, that's when the film really sort of kicks off for me. Um, the, the the sort of coincidental meeting in the in the forest, yeah, it, it's incredibly coincidental, but it does sort of immediately you're thinking, oh no, is it, does that mean? that this guy is one of the robbers, you know, because he's he just happens to be in that particular area. And, and you're kind of hoping he isn't, but, you know, things go a certain way. Um, yeah, so, so and, I, and I couldn't help but think of, like, you know, almost like a John Rambo sort of character, but sort of toned yeah. down, um, yeah. you know. But, and, and, the, and the swearing bit, I, I, I kind of like, because... 
you know, he's, he's not cool, calm and collected. It's like, well, I've run out of ammo. I pick up another person's gun. Oh, fuck, it hasn't got any bullets either. Sort of, <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of what he's reacting to a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and I like the fact that he he left the map. And, and, and at the end of the film, um, that scene in the, in the diner, I kind of went, oh, no. <laughs> You know that bit right at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And luckily, luckily, you know, it, the camera sort of lingers for another minute, and something else happens. But, but yeah, just at that moment, I thought, oh no, it's sort of grown. But um, no, overall, I thought this was really good. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it sort of built up his character really well. Um, yeah, I must admit, I paused it when he when he pulled out the, um, the newspaper clippings, and I was thinking. Why is it Americans always have fucking newspaper clippings? You know, obviously it's just such a um, you know a, a plot contrivance. But I must admit, I, pa- I paused the um, the film at that point just so I could lean in and read what the newspaper clipping was. Ooh. You know, to, re- to it wasn't it. talking about like a shop opening in the, in somewhere. <laughs> no, know, no, like, it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> it, it was it was literally a full article. You know, they actually gone to the trouble of actually writing a full article about what had happened to his daughter and, and, oh, and him, uh, and it sort of it suggested that he had actually absconded, and and uh, was was maybe sort of hiding out up there. Um, oh. But yeah, but yeah, no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it um, overall. Yeah, so, I think in terms of you know the the hunter becomes the hunted kind of subgenre. We've all been, yeah, we've been there I, before. Hmm, I think, yeah. yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good example of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yeah. the villains of the piece are very one-dimensional, you know, not very clearly drawn. They don't, yeah. even cast, they don't cast anyone of prominence no. to no. draw any particular attention to them. They're almost incidental, which I think is that, quite interesting. Yeah, because the focus is purely on Beringer's character. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was the thing that, that slightly annoyed me with it because you don't get anything from them. No. You know, they're There's just no, like yeah. set up as cannon fodder in a way. And it yeah. just, if I think it made, because you spent so much time building his character, mm. just that little bit more from them might have just pushed it a bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah, that well, another, another film, and, another film doing this story would have had it turn out that the guy who was the sort of leader or, of the of the group was like an old mate of his or somebody mm. was in, yeah 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 uh, somebody yeah. was in the war with or somebody knows from town or, or you know anything like that <laughs> they they've got this connection but no they didn't even go that route it was kind of all kept very at a distance mm. which I quite which I liked I thought yeah. I, I you know I didn't mind that too much but it is kind of yeah like that Rambo faceless you know anon- almost anonymous uh, villains kind of thing, which I, I usually yeah. not a fan of. Yeah, it, it it did reduce the sort of the dramatic sort of um, sort of dynamic from 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 their relationship or the non relationship even. Um, but they did sort of like set out their sort of diabolicalness when they when they burnt down his Winnebago, and uh, mm. you know there there was an interesting bit as well when when you when you sort of see, realized just how how ruthless Jim Reed can be. Um, with a certain character, which, which I thought was really cool as well. The fact that he's, you know, he, he does have a sort of take no prisoners sort of attitude. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we watched Ravage a week or two ago, didn't we? Mm. And and yeah. the, the the 
the developments of the story are not dissimilar. You know, he, he's he's meeting meeting these characters one by one, and and sort of and taking them out, or you know, uh, overpowering them in in some way, and stuff. And uh, yeah, I think I think there's nothing original here at all, but there mm. is a great you know character performance from Tom Berenger. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all done very well. The, the you know the photography is great. You know, um, there's the sort of, you know the this snowy wilderness that they're sort of trapped in uh, looks really cool. It's not somewhere even, I'd want to go personally. Because yeah, even, <laughs> even Ravage was set in a similar landscape, wasn't it? It's like a, a place that's almost yeah. completely cut off and nobody really goes yeah. there. Um, mm. It's it's the, the central concept, and you. I never. We're so used to seeing American big cities and stuff in movies that you don't think about it as a place where you could really get so yeah. lost. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Which is, so that's been quite a. That I do find that quite interesting geographically, sort of looking at America in in this way. Cool. Okay, guys. Scores on the doors. Uh, Rich, you first. I'm going to give it a high seven. Mm -hmm. Steve. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with seven as well. I'm going to join you all on a seven. This is uh, solidly entertaining stuff. Uh, we, we we recommend it. That's what I was trying to say. Um, so three sevens for blood and money. Our next review is Witches of Amityville. A young American student arrives at an Amityville Academy only to discover that it is run by a coven of witches looking to sacrifice her. Steve, let's kick off with you. Um, right. I know you, may, you, you said that it's written by someone you know, is it? It certainly is, but we won't hold yeah. that. We're, we're, we're totally impartial here. So, <laughs> yeah, there's no favouritism, Tom. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right. Let rip. To be fair, to be fair, the script's not not too bad, um, but the performances are terrible. It's it's the most unscary horror film I've seen for a long while. Um, I mean, the main evil witch is just so so poor and over the top. It's oh, she's terrible. She's absolutely terrible, and. Even the good witches, I don't think, are that good. Especially the um, the one with so much Botox that her face just doesn't move at all. You know, the... Um, Is that the blonde? No, the other one. The light brown-haired one. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, the effects are quite poor as well even the makeup effects. I mean, basically the witch's powers is basically holding a hand up while someone squirms on the floor. There's nothing... There's no There's no tension, there's no build-up, there's no scares there or anything like that. And, yeah, it just wasn't great. One, one thing that baffled me is you've got all these Americans, but it's clearly filmed in England, Yep, I totally agree. Uh, <laughs> yeah, especially there's a bit where they go on to visit. Is it Tilda something, the Elder Witch? Yeah, you're mumbling a bit, uh, Steve. Sorry, if you sat there and you can see an English light switch behind the head, mm -hmm. 
And it, that I know it sounds daft, but that really took me out of it for some reason. And I, I got the impression it was meant to be set in England. No, it was. I'm <laughs> really. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, a bit more money, bit better performances. It could have been a decent, a decent film, but. No, I'm sorry. It, it didn't cut any mustard for me at all. Okay, Rich. Um, how did you find uh, Witches of Amityville? Right. So, yeah, I'll, I'll address a couple of the points that... that as, Steve... as he rolls up his sleeves. <laughs> no, 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 it's not that way. Right then. Well, to a certain extent. I mean, uh, I'll start out with a, with a positive point. Uh, Steve did not like um, Miss Markham, uh, the villain, Mm-hmm. Uh, or Dominique, as uh, she's also known to uh, uh, Amanda J. Tyler it, plays that character, and I thought she was great. Uh, I mean, there's a de- there's definitely a pantomime vibe to this movie. Uh, I mean, all the all the girls' witch costumes they basically just look like they're going to a fancy dress party, and mm-hmm. the it's uh, I she even though most of the characters are American. Or playing them, they're either playing American or they are American. Um, Amanda J. Tyler gets to use, gets to be English, uh, and be um, because obviously a, ba- a baddie has to be English. So, oh, so, yeah. so, that, really, oh. so that works for me. Um, yeah. What I liked when the film started, I mean, p- p- uh, moving on past the prologues, we get the main female character introduced. To, you know, the uh, the young girl who goes and discovers she's got a great destiny and. All that sort of stuff. Uh, so she goes to the school. Sarah T. Cohen as Jessica. Um, mm. She was in Clown Doll, also released as Me Oliver, and uh, she was probably my favourite part of that film, which I really I remember that one. Yeah, from yeah. the same company, Proportion Productions, who mm-hmm. made this. Um, and so, within no time at all of arriving, she's at a dinner table, uh, being strapped up, uh, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre sort of style, uh, and there's another girl. Uh, in a in a, a dinner table scene, which is basically that same cliche dinner table scene that we saw a version of in uh, Vampires of New Orleans, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think last week in the last uh, episode, yeah, where they, yeah. Fa- they you know they, uh, where somebody gets killed at the table and it all kicks off, whatever. Um, but I thought this that scene was played really well. I like the uh, there's a throat slitting scene which they really dwell on, perhaps a bit too long. But I thought that was quite effective, and it really kicked the film into gear quite early. Uh, I thought we were going to have to wait a lot longer with build up, uh, so I like that. The, um, the 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 un- I'm glad Steve picked up on the you know because him not seeing as many of these films as perhaps Mike you, know, you and I have that mm. he picked up on the Brit- the obvious Britishness of it, even though it's supposed to be America. Uh, I think that's a, that is a stumbling block because I, I I know it's done for marketing reasons and international sales reasons, whatever. But I do wonder what American audiences in particular think when they watch a film like this, when the architecture of the buildings is so clearly yeah. different uh, yeah. to, and, to, and to their own. On the left. Um, most of this was made down down in Kent, where I live. Uh, I think in uh, actually looked up one of the locations. It's down in Deal by the seafront, um, a bed and breakfast there. The um, so yeah, so that is you know that's 
jarring. It's it's constantly jarring you when you when you're watching something like that. But take the act, the American actor. I mean, some of the actors in the film are Americans, uh, so there is some you know credible stuff in there. The main you got the good witches versus the bad witches is going on, and the and the good yeah. witches are basically Charlie's angels, and they're, they're sort yeah. of watching over, and, and then they're all oh, not sure whether we should get involved, and then this new girl comes along. And then they decide that they, you know, that there's a great calamity going to happen and they have to get involved. So it's a bit of a superhero movie, more than a horror movie uh, at times. And, they're, you know, they're having these cartoony, colourful light beam fights, uh, which demonstrating their supernatural powers and stuff. So, that you know, I, I understand the criticism of, of that stuff. I yeah, Again, I, again, with that bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They only use the beams twice in the whole film. The rest of it, they're just holding the hand up. <laughs> you know, well, there's no... Yeah. I don't know if that's because that was a choice or because they didn't have the money for it or... Well, we've got but to put... It, it's we've got to say, it. these are very low-budget films. Uh, I mean, mm. the, these guys' proportion productions, you know, for better or worse, what we think of the movies, they are cranking them out. Uh, and they're doing... They're, you know, they're clearly doing good enough business. I mean, the, the director of this film, uh, Rebecca Matthews, she's already made two others called uh, Pet Graveyard and The Candy Witch, both of which at the moment are free to view on Prime. I, I, I haven't had a chance to check them out yet. But Pet Graveyard is basically, uh, was sort of a mockbuster cash-in on uh, uh, the Pet Cemetery remake mm. and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm quite, uh, they're, already, they're already developing quite a status in, in the sort of low-budget British film you know, community, uh, just from, you know, just making s several films a year uh, and, you know, in improving, I think, in incrementally as they move on. I think that's fair to say. Uh, this reminded me at times of the film Village in the Woods, Mike, that you and I yeah. covered mm -hmm. uh, quite a while ago. What I liked about that film was it was distinctively British and in well, English specifically. Uh, and it was playing to that, whereas this this could have done the same thing, which I think is a shame that they didn't. I think, I yeah, like, I think it should have. Yeah. I think it would have been a stronger film if they'd have gone that route. Now, when Tom wrote his original script for them, uh, this is Tom Jolliffe, a, a, a sometime contributor to the show here. Um, when he wrote his script, I'm not sure if he envisaged it as American characters or, or not. I don't think that necessarily matters at the script stage, but in terms of the yeah. way it's performed, it does come across um, uh, as a weak as a weak point, I think. And also, the this is a very female centric film. There's there's only like one male character, and I think that kind of undermines it because he's like a demon man. Although he's supposed to be a, you know he's being brought into the world as kind of submissive to the main you know wicked witch uh, character, but it almost seems like oh it's all about a man. You know, kind of things like looking at it from a feminist angle, kind of thing. Um, but to an extent, the film is—I uh, don't know—it's all—it's almost like, even though it's a—it's a movie made by women. I'm not sure if it's for women. The the, the female characters seem quite. There's, it's not a—it's not a sexy film, but there's 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 a sexualized aspect. And like I say, the the sort of fancy dress sort of costumes that the girls are wearing and stuff it's 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 not very um i don't think it's 
Do you know what I'm getting at? It's it's not. I do, but do, do you know what I thought of uh, yeah. with, with the, the three good witches? Yeah, I, I thought they were sort of more or less modelled on the witches of Eastwick. So so if you, if you yeah. take those, if you take the three characters from Witches of Eastwick, mm -hmm. after they meet Daryl Van Horn. And you know they sort of come out of their shell a bit, so they're, they're all sort of more vampish and sexy. That's yeah. the way I saw them. You know, they're sort of, you know, they're you know thirty to forty years old, but but still sexy kind of kind of thing. You know, they're not they're not sort of twenty year olds trying to play older characters. Well, no, the thing is with these characters is they're quite pure. They're the white witches. They're yeah, quite yeah. Um, mm. they're quite pure. Although at times oh, no, some of the yeah, outfits. I'm, I'm, only, I'm only thinking in appearance, not not in the, yeah. in, in, in actual yeah. character. That's what I was thinking. It's got, it's, it's got. That's what I meant by when I said it's like this Charlie's Angels kind of thing. It's, mm. it's not very, um, perhaps as. I don't know if they were trying to go for something empowering. Uh, it's me as a man watching this. I'm bringing this weight to it, uh, and that, that's not intended or something. But it seems like it's not. It's not quite the film it could have been. Uh, but you know, it is borderline exploitation but it doesn't go down that particular route so it's it's yeah. sort of like trying to have it both ways i don't know it's but i, mean, I think if it had stuck to its british roots and told it mm. told a story you know almost evoking like um doctor who-ish sort of you know vibes you know the, the sort of supernatural tales of you know I, i'm thinking of specifically like 1970s yeah. horror wicker man you know anything like that uh, i think that the, the tale would have been stronger for that where it wrote whereas the the American element just doesn't work. I mean, also the character, you know, turning up in the forest and walking through to this house and stuff. Um, yeah, that, that sort of undermined it to me, but I, I did have fun with it. Uh, I did, not necessarily always for the right reasons. I did like some of the visual effects. I liked, I liked quite a few of the performances, especially say uh, uh, Amanda J. Tyler as Miss Markham. I thought she was a lot of fun. And although I imagined in my head a different, you know, that there could potentially be a different version of this movie uh, had they gone down a different route. Uh, mm. I, th I still thought it was quite quite fun. And with a, there's a sequel to The Craft coming out soon, or a remake or whatever it is, uh, you know, DTV yeah. sequel. And I think it's quite mm. well timed for that. Now, this film was originally called Witches of Amateurville Academy, as it did, did on the screen that we, uh, that we watched. Yeah. And they've dropped the Academy bit. I'm not sure why the amateurville thing i don't know why because they it's not like this has anything to do with the amateurville horror or anything like that you know there's i don't know if if amateurville is just a reference it's still a name it's, it's still a mark as a yeah it's a location that uh, yeah. it's a name that people recognize i think you, i think that's yeah. all it is which is a still big stuff um mass hysteria which has come out in the states um is, is doing quite well and obviously, uh, as, as you mentioned, the craft uh, sequel slash reboot um, is, is got a lot of good attention. Although a lot of people are sort of going, "Oh my god, they're doing this craft!" Yeah, you know. yeah. Nobody, nobody does a belated DTV sequel. That I know. never happens. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I mean, my, personally, um, yeah, I, overall, this this is way too slow. You know, uh, and you know, it needs more drama. It needs more sort of tension. However, the, there are a few scenes which I thought it got spot on. Um, there's one bit which was straight out of the um, the remake of Suspiria, where uh, I think it's um, Dominique is, is having a bath, 
and she's clicking her fingers yeah. and sort of moving her hand, you know, and it's causing this uh, minion to sort of, you know, writhe on the floor and her bones are cracking and all this sort of stuff. You know, it, it's it's like a bargain basement version of um, the, the sort of ballerina scene in um, the Suspiria remake. And I, I thought that was actually quite atmospheric. Well, I say that. I think the setup was really atmospheric. The bits in the bathroom were really well lit and, and really well done. I don't think the actress who's having to sort of writhe around the floor was quite convincing enough, although the sound effects did make up for it. Um, so, so I thought that scene was really strong. Um, and, and a few other bits and pieces here and there I thought worked really well. Um, the, the, the throat slitting scene you mentioned, Rich, early, so it kind of made me giggle a little bit because the pressure of the blood was basically... They're trying to sort of collect the, the blood in a bowl, which they're hang, you know, holding below her throat. Yeah, it was spitting all over the place, though. It yeah. was spraying yeah. so fast. It was it was going out <laughs> at a right angle, you know. Um, so, so I don't think they actually managed to sort of scoop up any. It probably just sprayed everyone. Um, but anyway, you know, these things happen, I guess. Um, that's part of what I meant. Of that. I think they were lingering on. Yeah, 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 a bit too long because it did sort of basically show it up as um, a bit of a gaff. But I, th I think this is one of those films. It's it's relatively competently made. And that sounds like a really horrible backhanded um, compliment. <laughs> uh, the thing is, me and Rich had to sit through the Vampires of New Orleans last week, um, which probably had twice the budget and and looks twice as worse as this does. Um, at least there's witches in this one. At least there's actual <laughs> witches in this one, you know, and, you know, it, it, it doesn't have these sort of stupid avid farts and everything going on, you know. It's, oh, no, it's much more restrained. It's yes. much more restrained. Yeah. You know, that's the Britishness coming through, I guess. Um, yeah, I, 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 if, as you said, Rich, I think if they'd actually said it in England, it would have solved a few problems. You know, they could have kept the American cast and just said, yeah, you know, they've come to this exclusive boarding school or whatever, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's it's not terrible. It is low budget. If, you, if you're not into low budget films, avoid. But, you know, if you like a bit of low budget horror, then I, I think this is fine. Uh, you know, it's, well, I mean, it's got its issues, but I think there's enough going on to, to, um, to entertain people. Yeah, but uh, to me, that was the thing, though. There was no... No scares in there at all. It's not, the it's, only... it's not a scary film, no. It's, it's no not you know, but you know what I mean, though. There's no tension mm. built up. There's, n you know, anything like mm. that. There's no... The only... Like you say, I think the only decent half scares are the bit with the woman on the floor and the throat slitting scene. That's mm. probably about it. Everything else is just... It could I be. A, it, could, yeah. it could be a PG, you know. It could be. You're you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, if if they cut out the cut the throat bit, yeah, they, they, this could probably easily pass for a PG thirteen, and yeah. and it would have you know it would fit in with that audience. It really would. Yeah. You know that sort of craft remake reboot audience. So it would fit in with that. Or even you know like what was that what was that X Men New Mutants thing came yeah. out recently? You know, it's it's that kind of setup, isn't it? It's mm. like an elite, a, elite yeah. or exclusive school or location or whatever where a bunch of people special abilities and that and that was kind of horror inflected as well um from what i noticed mm. but uh, yeah i mean we've seen all this kind of stories 
quite a lot. I think, you know, the, what interests, I'm interested in seeing what low budget British filmmaking, you know, filmmakers are doing and, you know, how they're growing. And I think this definitely uh, showed me some growth from proportion productions. Yeah. And also I have that interest in, you know, the fact that they make them locally, you know, so there's all these different aspects that sort of come to play that mm-hmm. I can bring to it. With would another person, you know, not with with an who doesn't have those interests that I have, mm. like Steve, you know, so mm. is, who has different expectations of a film. I can, I, I can see. I think I, they're probably yeah, more going to be like how Steve has reacted. I, I can see, you know, even, even though there aren't any at the moment, I I can see the um, the IMDb reviews in my head already. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I read some this morning for for another film, and I was like, yeah, you got no chance. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get roasted to hell. Um, but anyway, I mean, enough about IMDb and that, you know, their pantheon of idiot reviewers that they get. Um, Steve, what are you going to score? Uh, which is of, I nearly called it, which is of East Wicks. What are you going to score? Which is <laughs> of Amityville? Um, a four. A four? Yeah. Uh, Rich? Yeah. I think I'm going to go a five on this one. I'm going to give it a five as well. Um, so yeah, two fours. Sorry, no count. Learn how to count, Mike. <laughs> two fives and a four for witches of Amityville. Our short shot this week is Dino Feast. Uh, this was written and directed by a nine-year-old Eva Worley and animated by her dad, Seth Worley, uh, of uh, Red Giant fame. And this features, it's, it's a story that she wrote um, about three ty- three Tyrosaurus, three T-Rexes who decide to have a feast with some herbivores. Um, it's very short, about three minutes, three and a half minutes long, um, animated feature. Rich, over to you. Yeah, the, um, the films that Seth Worley is involved in and, you know, uh, as either as you know creative force or you know driving you know behind the you know uh, uh, driving the, the visuals and, and technological aspects of it you know his films are always very interesting uh, and this film that he's made with his daughter is you know as good as anything he's done before it's very creative very very professional uh, the 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 uh, the story, you know, it's a kid's story. It's like a storybook movie, mm. basically. It's like a, yeah. it's like a kid's picture book that's told uh, in, in, a, in a three-minute story. Uh, it's even got subtitles and stuff. As Eva narrates it herself. Uh, the, she's done these drawings of dinosaurs that her father's animated, but he's put them in a real-world background, so it looks like Jurassic Park sort of world, but you know, with like these really, really sort of. So, you know, not so, yeah, sub pepper piggish kind of drawings, really, of uh, you know, dinosaurs fighting it. It's really funny, it's really well done. Uh, the there's there's a lot of uh, well, there's a few at least uh, Jurassic Park references in there, like sight gags and stuff. It's it's a, it's very playful and well worth three minutes of your time, yeah, definitely. Uh, Steve, what do you reckon? Yeah, again, agree with which it's for the animation was really. Nicely well done. The the style of it was lovely. Um, the narration was great. You know, it, like it is, it's just a three minute kids book brought to life. Basically, you know, it 
might be something like uh, I don't know, we're going on a bear hunt or something like that. Mm, yeah, you know, from when my kids are little. Um, and yeah, it's, it's all just from this nice girl's imagination, you know. It's just she's just yeah. coming out with all these crazy ideas, and she's going to you know stuff that doesn't make sense. And she's <laughs> throwing it all in there, you know. It's like yeah, it's like yeah. The, there's a um, I think there's a um, there's a food truck in there. There's you a know? food truck in <laughs> yeah. there. It's, it's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, even the, and it's supposed to be land of the dinosaurs or whatever. That's where one of the Jurassic Park references, are, I think, in on. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it was not. I mean, I knew as, as soon as you see that a new red a film is being released through Red Giant, you know, using their software and stuff, and by a Seth Waller, you know, it's going to be well worth seeing. Uh, mm. And you know, this is yeah, this is great. This is great fun, and and, and also. Yeah. It's a rare example of one of these, you know, short films that we watch, which is for kids. You know, it's, it's a kids movie. Yeah. And if you want to produce, uh, you know, kids to something that's a bit more crazy and out there, but, you, you know, they've got a short attention span, what better to do than, than try this? Absolutely. Yeah, um, I totally agree with you. It's, um, it's a very short, sweet little film. It's, uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad that they put the subtitles in because Eva, is sort of, she talks a mile a minute. <laughs> um, you know, you have to sort of try and keep up what she's saying, and 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 as a result, the action is quite frenetic as well. You know, it's, yes. um, it, oh yeah, it's very yeah. very fast paced. Um, yeah. So, if people aren't familiar with uh, Red Giant, uh, we covered uh, their previous film, um, Darker Colors, uh, quite recently, about a month or two ago. Yeah, which has um, similar themes of children yeah, and their imagination, exactly. imagination of kids and things like that. Um, and, and I think we've done some other stuff before, you know, a long time ago. Yeah, Go Bag, the Go action, Bag. Cool yeah, action really movie one. was one of my favourites. Mm. Yeah, he's done all sorts. Yeah. So we'll put the uh, link to the um, to this film into the footnotes, but also we'll we'll put a link to the uh, making of, which I haven't had a chance to look at yet. Um, but what, one of the things that Red Giant do, they, they do a lot of these um, sort of tutorials and things, don't they? And, and they use these sort of short films uh, format as a way of sort of showcasing yes. particular techniques. Uh, that reminds me of one they did, which was the fight in the alleyway, or hall fight or something. I think it was called. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. think there's a there's a, there's a lot of them. There's I mean, loads. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's film riot do a similar thing as well. So you might be thinking of, ah, yeah, yeah. It might be coming getting gone. But Red Giant RF, basically, they're a software company, and and so the, mm. the making ofs kind of show you the different tools that they've done. They do it. He does it really quickly of running through. Oh yeah. well, I did this using this particular software and whatever. So if you're a young filmmaker or an older filmmaker or whoever, and you you know you want yeah, to get a glimpse keen of to learn about how can I make yeah. this happen. Uh, these guys are just doing tutorials all over, you know, all over the place, and um, that's particularly what um, uh, Seth Orley's really good at. He, you know, he makes amazing films, but he's also a great teacher. Absolutely. So check it out. Check out the um, the short and the making of in the notes. Our DTV throwback this week is Night of the Running Man. Uh, Jerry Logan is a Las Vegas cab driver. And one night, a jittery customer gets into his cab, only to die later after a tense car chase. When Jerry finds the guy had left a briefcase in his car containing a million dollars, he decides the best plan is to skip town immediately. This is a smart move on his part, but unfortunately, the owners of the briefcase have hired the best hitman in town to get on his case. 
this is directed by Mark L. Lester. If you're not familiar with it, that person's name, um, I suggest you look up IMDb and get on that because this guy did the likes of Commando and <laughs> Firestarter. <laughs> Firestarter, of course, and uh, SIS Extreme Justice. Um, Showdown in Little Tokyo. Showdown in Little Tokyo. Oh, thought, 1999. There we go. Yeah, loads and loads of films. <clears throat> did he? He also did 84, didn't he? Class of 84. Class, class of 84. Yeah. yeah so, so you know, he's he's a great director, basically. Um, so this one has Andrew McCarthy playing uh, Jerry Logan, and lots and lots of smoking going on. This this is filmed in what mm. 93, I believe. 93, 94. Uh, came out in 95. 95. There you go. Um, but even better than Andrew McCarthy, we've got Scott Glenn. Um, just at his most laconic, um, incredibly fit body, as we find out in this film, um, and, and you know, with, with a really interestingly nasty streak. Um, Steve, how did you find this one? Right. Well, I've not seen this before, but I do. I remember seeing the trailer when I was a kid, and it even showed the main, you know, the torture scene in the trailer, and. <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Actually, I was I was very surprised that Scott Glenn is just phenomenal in this. He yeah. really is. He's an absolute bastard. There's no denying it. <laughs> and you know, you know, he's in in bed with this. I presume she's a prostitute. At the beginning, she's like, "Oh, I want to get to know you," but no, just kills her. That's it. Gone. Dusted. And. Yeah, and John Glover as well. I thought he was great. You know, I've not seen him in anything for ages. Mm. I think the last thing I saw him was like Smallville years ago. Um, yeah. Lex Luthor's dad. Yeah, yeah. He, he, was, he was great in it as well. Um, it's just one of them. I don't think it would work nowadays. Mm. Um, I think with the stripped back technology, you know, basically the only... Yeah, they'd find him in seconds, wouldn't they? <laughs> Yeah, the only the only thing he's got is a mobile phone. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, you know. But the way he, he, he tracks him, I thought was was clever as well. Uh, but also the way he kind of gets out of it, and I think the only thing they kind of let it down a bit was the um, the love affair with the woman uh, Chris mm. Lynch is called. It's just a bit too bit too quick and convenient to be fair. But no, I, I had a lot of fun with it. Really did. Yeah, they sort of bring that character in quite late into the film, don't they? I mean, you know, the film's yeah. like three quarters of the way through and all of a sudden he's, you know, courting this um, this nurse, this sort of love interest. There has to be a young woman who gets caught up in the action. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this, as you say, this, you know, uh, Scott, Glenn's, Scott Glenn's character has a very sort of wide streak of evil. Um, mm. you know, when, when he kidnaps that um, that waitress and, and oh, God, yeah. her, Jesus <laughs> Christ, yeah, that that was um, quite an audacious moment. I have to say, yeah. really well done. Uh, but yeah, no, this 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 you know moves at a pretty fast pace. It jumps around a lot, you know. I must mm. admit, when, when I sort of like read the title uh, and, and the sort of synopsis, I'm thinking, okay, so he's going to be running around uh, Las Vegas all night. But no, he, he sort of goes to Salt Lake oh. City, he goes to Les, you know, Los Angeles, he's sort of jumping from one place to the other, uh, trying to keep ahead. I thought it was great fun. Um, mm. Rich, I, I presume you'd seen this before. How's it standing up? 
Yeah, I think I saw it back. At, it came out in 1995, funnily enough, by High Flyers. That's how long mm. they've been around. So they, they've oh, recently Jesus. stuff like Witches of Amateurville mm. and uh, uh, Vampires of uh, New Orleans. So, yeah, they've been around for donkey's years, putting out these um, DTV movies. Uh, this is based on a novel by Lee Wells. And coming to it, you know, now, I mean, when I saw it, when it came out on the uh, VHS, it didn't make a huge impression on me, but there was something about it, you know, something, I mean, that cover in, in particular, you know, you know, Scott Glenn and stuff, playing that mm. was very memorable. Um, but coming back to it, you know, Mark L. Lester, you're kind of watching it and you think, although it's a completely different movie to Commando, there are Commando moments in it. I mean, you. Uh, so the whole idea of, you know, a guy on the run, you know, a woman getting caught up in it, who becomes a bit, yeah. of a, you know, that's in it. But there's also uh, in Commando, uh, Arnie, as John Matrix, <laughs> takes a guy and hangs him over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hangs I him lied. off. Like yeah. a, yeah. a the I lied scene. So the I lied scene is basically remade here, but with a bit with the villain character, which I thought was quite nice. Mm. Um, we've got an inch. So Andrew McCarthy is, in quotes, the hero of the story, mm. but he's very one dimensional, you know, very thinly drawn. There's not a lot to him. Uh, McCarthy doesn't really have a lot to do. Um, he, McCarthy was a Brat Packer, and here he's sort of, this is like when Brat Packers were doing the sort of mid-90s, trying to be a bit edgy, so they put, uh, put <coughs> grow a goatee thing. Yeah. C. Thomas Howell was doing it, and, and uh, I think, you know, Steve Gutenberg did it a bit later and that. So they all, they all tried to be taken a bit Excuse more seriously. Steve Gutenberg was never part of the Brat Pack. Come on. <laughs> no, no, but he was part of the 80s, wasn't he? He and, was uh, part of the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is like these clean cut young mm. guys, you know, trying to sort of harden their images a bit. Mm. And uh, mm. but Brat Packers and, and others. Um, so also already you're basically uh, Scott Glenn is top credited and understandably so, because even though he's not the main character, he completely outshines um, McCarthy. There's a yeah. lot more to his character. He's a lot more compelling. Uh, and the film really dwells on. Unfortunately, he's introduced in a very '90s, really uh, yeah. unnecessary yeah. Uh, sex scene, uh, which I could have done without. But uh, the but when his character, when he's, I mean, he is he's magnetic. You know, uh, mm. Scott Glenn. Rarely do you remember what what a great screen presence that he is because we don't see him a huge amount. I always I always think of him and. Uh, uh, Sam Elliott kind of in the same breath mm. they kind of sort of they sort of did the same kind of or do the same kind of movies and that you know cowboy types you know yeah. that a bit of a cowboy thing going on. um so he's really he's really good there's also a, so a bit of a Lance Henriksen aspect to him and, and uh, I think mm -hmm. he's got that yeah. sort of darkness um John Glover as as Steve was saying, great. I mean, I'd forgotten he was in this, so that was great because John Glover was making. I mean, th I think he was in like Robocop two and stuff. That's where I probably first mm. saw it. Uh, but he's been in various tons of other things, including Smallville and that. He's he's and uh, Batman and Robin as well. Uh, and he's he's such a great screen presence here. He gets quite a lot of screen time, more than I thought he was going to uh, when he's introduced as by basically another hitman character. Yeah. Uh, and they kind of end up working together with uh, him and uh, Scott Glenn's. Uh, See that, so that that was the that was the thing that threw me though because I didn't realise it was him who basically hobbled him. Yeah, you know from the trail. You know, remembering the trail, I thought it was Scott Glenn who did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 
Yeah, so then we got the, the woman getting caught up in the story. And again, it, uh, it's all sort of pick, putting in the pieces to sort of fit the, fit the mold. It's like, oh, we're making a mid-90s thriller. We've got to put another sex scene in. So then she's like writhing all over the place. <laughs> it's like this really overly, uh, overly enthusiastic uh, love scene. Uh, which kind of ca- happens out of nowhere, as they do with these kind of movies. It's so uh, funny that, you know, the 90s and the, the gratuitous sex scenes, you know, because it was the era of things like Wild Orchid and, yeah. and oh, know, Fair Game. Yeah, and just about anything, in any sort of thriller had to have a sex scene. You know, yeah, and, well, that, that's, uh, that, that kind of became the one of the key one of the marketing key, points. Yeah, key yeah. Points yeah. Of that. I thought you were going to say it was one of the cliches of the genre. But the, well, I suppose it's, well. Yeah, in, in that way as well. Um, but it's that cat and mouse, it's a cat and mouse chase thriller. It's pretty good, but um, Andrew McCarthy's character isn't really particularly sympathetic or, you know, you're never really with him. And no. He kind of, he, he, he's always outsmarting Scott Glenn and it's not really that convincing. I quite like the fact that... Um, Scott Glenn's character is quite mysterious uh, and that, and he's, you know, nobody really knows much about him, but he knows everybody. <laughs> he's yeah. like rigging up people and saying, oh, can you get me, find out who this person is and all that sort of stuff. He's like a real charmer. Um, but he's got this like a whole network mm. going on. So he can really quickly. Well, that's, uh, that's why he's the best in the business. That's I mean, the, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a scene where he goes to see the, the you know, the, the, the cab driver manager and, um, He's sort of saying, you know what I like about you? It's it's your lack lack of curiosity, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I thought was really cool. It's like, yeah, um, there is one thing I want to mention. You know, the whole thing sort of starts off with from this casino. This money's been stolen from the casino. Um, Wayne, Wayne Newton's money. Sorry, Wayne Newton's money. Yeah, well, exactly. So, <laughs> or is it? It's not really his money, is it? Uh, this, this is this is the thing because well, I thought it was because he, he'd ripped off this. Um, he, he had a Japanese billionaire come and yeah. uh, lose a million in there, and, and he sort of decided not to t- not to have a receipt for it or something. So he thought, well, that's free money. I'm taking it, and then the guy came in for a receipt. So then all of a sudden the casino's down a million dollars, and you know, and then somebody runs off with it. So he's sort of stuck with it, but I just love the you know this this mob boss basically has to sheepishly tell his wife what he'd done, and she gives him a good slap across the face as a result. <laughs> so you know, interesting sort of different levels of sort of criminality going on. Um, yes, yeah, so, so this going is back a, to just quickly mentioning Wayne Newton again. Hmm. Did you did you like Wayne Newton appearing in movies in the nineties? Because he did so he was in uh, Best of the Best Two and yeah. um, License to Kill. And License to Kill, yeah, yeah. The thing is, I didn't know who he was in real life. You know what I mean? I mean, so yeah. so to me, he was just another character actor. Right. So, so yeah, I did. I didn't know he you know him as a singer. I just I, th- I mm. thought yeah, this particular great. Sort of screen presence. Uh, I so he was in Vegas Vacation. So he's like Mr. Vegas. I think that's like his nickname is Mr. Mm. Vegas. So I think it's quite a coup that they managed to get him in the movie. But he doesn't really have a lot to do in this compared to like Best of the Best Two and you know some of the yeah. bigger roles that he's had. Yeah. That was a bit disappointing. But I like the fact that he appeared in it. Mm-hmm. Scores on the doors for Night of the Running Man. We don't do them. Yeah, we don't do them on the throwback. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I've, I've definitely had one beer too many tonight. 
<laughs> I think it's showing. I, I need I need to sort of make sure I don't overdo it on, on recording nights. Before um, I, as a passing comment, uh, you know, before before we finish out, mm-hmm. did you ever think about Collateral when you were watching it? I didn't actually. No, that didn't. Because even though they're quite different movies, mm-hmm. the setup is not dissimilar in terms of the hitman and cab driver. Yeah, in terms of profession, I suppose. Yeah, but I think the dynamics are a bit different. Well, the cat and mouse aspect is mm. quite similar. I mean, I know that. Oh, and the other thing I was thinking was, you know, when us when we set the program for this film, mm. for this film, as well as Blood and Money, I had no idea they were both both going to use the same MacGuffin. They're both stories about yeah. a bag of money <laughs> of stolen. Yeah. Money. They're basically the variations on the same story. Which yeah. was completely coincidental, mm. um, but uh, in terms of sort of looking at that, I think this because there's so much more meat on the bone to this story. I preferred this to uh, to Blood and Money, but like we say, like we were saying earlier, Blood and Money is more of a character study than it is, yeah, a traditional thriller. Yeah, um, uh, if if this film had sort of spent half an hour, you know, watching Andrew McCarthy drive people around Las Vegas, I'm, I'm not sure it would be the same. As, as watching Tom <laughs> Berenger, you know, sort of like hobbling around in in sort of snow. I do wonder if they could have done something with his character though, because he literally has no. That they don't establish anything about his character. He's, there's nothing mm. going on there. It's like he's a completely blank canvas, and that's why it's so easy to sort of side with uh, David Eckhart, uh, Scott Glenn's mm. sort of villainous character. With, yeah. A weird thing. Anyway, uh, that's just one of the. Cra- I think it's definitely a film that. I mean, this is on Prime now, and it's in a it's in a widescreen uh, version. Yeah. So I think it's definitely worth mm. checking out. What? Uh, oh, sorry, another thing I have to mention. I hated the score. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because <laughs> the score it is so ridiculously over the top. It, right at the beginning of the film, it's got this dun dun. Dun 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 sort of sort of going on. It's really overly dramatic. And all it is is Andrew McCarthy sort of like waking up and switching off his alarm and brushing his teeth. And yet the movie's going dun 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 all the way through. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, the score is by Christopher Frank, who went on to I think it was like Babylon 5 was one of the big series did. But he's done like he he'd done like Universal Soldiers music and stuff like that and McBain. But uh, I got a feeling. Oh. I got a feeling that they, you know, he he forgot to send in a music cue for the opening sequence. I, don't, I just do didn't it. like any of the music, any of the themes. No, in the it, whole it movie. didn't fit. It it's didn't very nineties, yeah. very nineties. But it just, yeah. I thought the film was, you know, a stronger score would have really helped. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, this for example, the score that we had for uh, Blood and Money, I thought was mm. very good, very evocative yeah. for the for the film. Um, but no, this just, you know, it screamed sort of um, TV movie sort of stock music, basically. So, oh, another thing. Sorry, another thing about Scott Glenn's character. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I keep thinking of other things. He seemed to make no effort to cover up the fact that he no, did that. you're right there. <laughs> he was like leaving fingerprints, I'm, I'm, DNA. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, there, I'm thinking now. But, but but you know this this is about sort of six years before the start of CSI, so so people weren't really bothered about that sort of stuff as as they as no, they, they were well, in the two thousands. Yeah, they must have had it. Yeah, they, they must have. Had it. They must have. <laughs> Back in. 
Well, they're yeah, like fingerprints and shit, certainly. But you know, how yeah. how, how deep was like the be? most label? You know, it's like really not worried. You know, to oh, the boop, boop, yeah. you know, shoot it was like, <laughs> It's just now I I was just thinking, yeah, he's just not making any effort to sort of be discreet. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, no, one one thing that, that did baffle me, right, is when he escapes, uh, I think, in Salt Lake City and gets on the plane, pretending to be the blind man. Oh, oh yeah. That McCarthy's yeah. character, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then he's on the flight and doesn't carry it on at all. He's just sat there drinking whiskey, looking out the window. And surely, surely the, the stewardess might think, well, I'm going to Wait minute, a minute. stop you off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just brought you on this plane, put you in this in your seat, and now you, you you're not blind anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few plot holes in this film, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there are one or two. Yeah. Ah, but it's good fun. <laughs> it is, and it's definitely worth checking yeah. out on Amazon Prime um, if you have the service. Um, definitely check it out. It's um, a decent little flick. And that is the end of the show. Thank you for listening. Do check out all the links that we put into the footnotes for the trailers, for the films that we've been talking about, and for the um, the short shots and its um, making of. Uh, thank you to Rich and Steve for joining us this evening and talking about all these wonderful films. No problem at all, sir. Thank you very much. And we'll be back next week. So thank you for listening and tune in again. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.